welcome to the Cup and Saucy Book Club. I'm Jen. And I'm Zanna. What's in your cup today, Zanna? I don't know, Jen. What's in my cup today? Today in your cup is fireweed tea that I brought you from Alaska. Aw, thank you. It's really yummy. What's in your cup? I'm also having fireweed tea because I took some of yours. <laughs> How is this happening? This is happening because we are together. What? And actually looking at each other. Well, there you are. Face to face. You're right there. I and normally you're a little box on my screen. We are together, uh, listeners, for Con in Anaheim. And uh, we wanted to take the opportunity and, and record while we were together. Yeah. So... This is a, this is new territory for yeah, us. Yeah, I know. And and Zana's breaking out her new uh, recording toys. Yeah, I've got my uh, field recorder working right now. So this might sound a little different than we normally have, but hey, different is always good. And Zana, please remind our listeners what I assigned you to read this month. You gave me the Intern by Serena Ackroyd. And what did you think? I liked it. But it was a little tough for me to get into. So as some background, um, this is a male-male romance, which is mm -hmm. the first time I've actually read a male-male romance. I thought the, the love story was good. I had some questions about it, I guess. So some things that were a little iffy for me. Like, uh, for one thing, I have some questions about a, a woman writing about a gay man and a bi man. Yes. I think she handled it pretty well, but I'm also not a gay man. So I, you know, I don't know, you know, it's not, I, I am not it's a not gay man. It's not your lived experience. I am not a gay man. Also, it starts off in a, uh, a very steamy scene in a club setting, like a dark room setting uh, where anonymous sex is happening yes and um before xana gets too much further into talking about the book i do want to mention to listeners that there are some trigger warnings to pay attention to particularly a sexual assault yes that happens to one of the characters in book and we are going to be talking about that but if that is at all problematic for listeners or difficult Please join us for our next episode. Your mental health matters. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So it begins in a sex room. All right. So it starts in a sex room where in a club where this is one of the things that's on offer on, you know, a regular basis. And, yes. and so it's a it's a chance for people to connect without actually having to have any connection or attachment. And yes, anonymous sex on offer no strings, right. no names. Right. They do kind of have a connection. They do have a connection. I mean, they both are experiencing something that's unlike anything that they've experienced before. And one of them is, this is the first time they've been in one of these rooms. And the other one feels more connection to this person uh, because they are feeling this whole being being put into these acts yes. um, and tenderness that he's not used to. Yes. And yeah, it is very different from his previous experiences yeah. in, in these rooms. I will say this is also not my lived experience, uh, 
but I have more experience than Xana does living with gay men, having close relationships with gay men. This rings very true for me. It is it is a choice to start very steamy this way. It seems to be very true for me that this is that this is how two guys would potentially meet. Sure, I mean there's all sorts of different ways that people can meet, and this is definitely one of of them. At some point near the end of this first sex act, the lights suddenly come on. Yes, because they're in a darkened room and they can't see each other's faces. And it's it's only for a for a second but it's long enough that they can sort of see the other and you know they are both sort of pleased that the other person was somewhat attractive you know but they're also that was weird and I don't I'm not comfortable with that yeah and and the their time together ended very soon after right right however it turns out that the new newbie to the dark room is actually turns out to be an intern in the company of that is owned that is owned by, by the other guy in the room right and in addition to that there is also an age gap there is an age gap and that's a, a so I've, I've discovered a couple things that i'm not super comfortable with with this book I, i'm not uncomfortable with the gay sex that part is not a problem it it's I guess part of my question about male-male romances is I understand why they're lovely, you know, and I do, you know, I appreciate diff- like a diversity of experience and and I don't entirely understand why there's such a huge market for male-male romances, but not like a big romance for for female female romances i'm i'm not sure that i can answer that question um and listeners if you want to weigh on weigh in on this we would love to hear from you yeah i will address something else that you talked about first okay a cis hetero woman writing gay romance right this is not something that serena Ackroyd normally writes so she's Uh this is not she normally writes heterosexual couples and it's one of the things that was actually being discussed in the panels that we have attended so far here at Steamy LitCon. Yeah, it sort of felt appropriate for us to talk about this here, where we have been talking about diversity in romance. And, yes. um, and, and one of the things that was mentioned is that you can be outside of the characters that you are writing. Right. And even if that is not your lived experience... As long as you go to those who do represent that population, yeah, and and make sure that that is true for them, and and that you know sensitivity readers mm-hmm. or experts in a particular field, you know, specifically like therapists, if you're talking about you know mental health diversity, or if they have physical disabilities, that you're talking to disability advocates. And I think that it doesn't, it doesn't make you in any way hypocritical or inauthentic to be able to have characters that have a different lived experience from you. That's something that is actually something that we should all be doing. You know, having characters with, uh, that are neurodivergent or BIPOC or 
any other host of things. Right. It is true that the majority of romance readers and romance authors currently are white women. However, that is changing. Mm-hmm. And, which and is great. It, which is wonderful. And the hetero white women need to also, in order for the change to take place and take hold, it's up to white women who already have the privilege to bring those uh, bring those stories into the mainstream. This is my opinion. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, it's a fair point. I mean, it is a fair point. It is something, you know, I mean, this is the one thing that, that you sort of talk about in gender equality in the workplace is, that, you know, the, the people in power are usually the, the cishet white males. And for there to be any progress for everyone else they have to buy in and they have to be the one the voices who are who are saying you know it that these things need to change yeah. because otherwise nothing is going to change and so uh, to your point I, I i do agree that you know having somebody who already has a pretty strong loud platform to be able to raise up these stories and maybe give an opportunity for black male LGBTQ writer to, you know, to write about his, to to write about his stories or, or whatever, you know, whatever it is, it just, you're, you're expanding the platform to the point where it's not abnormal. And one of the things that, that was also discussed is about how, the romance market, the mainstream publishers are that that's corporations with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that the bottom most, line is really the bottom line is the most important. If we want to see the real change, then we have to show them what that change is going to look like right. by buying the books. Right. And telling the stories that reflect that change. And it is still important to buy the books from the BIPOC authors, from the LGBTQ authors. Exactly. It's very important to to do that, but I I do understand the point given some of the the panels that we've heard today about well, but the people who already are in power have to also sing those stories out. If you want to call yourself an ally or an advocate, then it is, it's essentially putting your money where your mouth is. Before we continue any more into um, Xana's review, I have to uh, give a full disclosure here mm-hmm. in that this book in particular, the story resonated with me on a very personal level. Many years ago, I lost a friend to AIDS, who uh, the character of Micah, who is the intern, uh, the younger of the two men, Micah reminded me quite a bit of my friend. And in fact, even the cover model for the book reminded me of, of my friend. Yeah, I can see where that would be a pretty resonant. Yes, and, and this... I actually sent a message to Serena Ackroyd and told her that this is um, the happily ever after that my friend never got Mm -hmm. because he died um, in his 20s of AIDS. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the real conversations that that happen after a book like this, I I mean, any book that makes you think Mm -hmm. 
or any, but really the ones that most resonate with me are when I recognize the the characters in a book and say, I know these people. And I had not really thought of it before, but, but the character of Micah definitely is one that I recognize. Yeah. And I can see that. I, I, so I had a similar, no, not at all similar. It was, I had another issue that, that caught me up and that was the other character in this book is Devlin Astley. What hurt with that was I, I just lost my dad and, um, in this book, Devlin's father is dying. And so, first of all, Jacob Morgan, holy shit, that man's voice. Oh, uh, yes. We, sh- uh, we should mention, listeners, that this is narrated. Yeah, okay. So, in- often I eyeball read. Jen told me with this one was like, oh, you need to listen to this. This is a listen um, because it is the first time pairing of Jacob Morgan and and Joe Arden, and this is in dual narration. So, yes, Jacob Morgan. Holy shit. That man's voice is, like, unbelievable. I mean, Joe's great. Don't get me wrong. I like Joe, and and Joe is wonderful, and, and we've talked about Joe many times, but I was just blown away by Jacob Morgan's voice, and he was just, he's so just deep and resonant and it's just yeah but his older man voice yes got me yeah like on the verge of tears because it reminded me so much I mean even though it's a British accent it reminded me so much of my dad and it was just it was so like I was listening to it when I was driving to see my uncles and it just I almost had to pull over because I was about to lose it but I, you know, I'm glad I stuck with it because, you know, it, it resolved some stuff with them yeah. that ended up being really kind of a nice resolution. And it was, it was, I was left with their story with the father and Devlin in a, in a happier place, you know, yeah. the, so I, I feel like, you know, I don't want to spoil what happens with that, but, um, but they have a journey as well. They have a, you know, they a, definitely do. They have just this point of, you know, not really understanding each other to a point of very much understanding each other. And that journey that they go through is honestly, to me, one of the more beautiful parts of the book. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I mean, the love story is nice. I'm still a little weirded out by age gaps for some reason. I mean, maybe it's and because, you know, it, you know, and that's to okay. Each their own to each their own. I'm okay with, you know, I'm, I get that that's a thing and people like that and that's cool. And you do you. Tuesday on this point, I have no difficulty with age gap. My, my, um, I have had relationships of large age gaps. Um, also my mother and stepfather had an 18 year age gap. So this is, this is part of my lived experience. Sure. (laughs) Well, you know, and the biggest age gap that I've dealt with personally, it's been like five or six years. Yeah. Um, so, so if it's, if it's not something you're used to, then it's not something you're used to. Well, and I mean, I had friends with big age gaps as well, but it just, it doesn't, 
you know, it, yeah. there's something about, I think what it is, is that Micah is close to the age of my son. Mm. And so that, it, it was, okay. yeah. And so it's like, okay, I understand that my son is a, is an adult with an adult, you know, with adult sensibilities adult sensibilities he can make his own choices about what he does with his body but i'm also like i don't want to hear about it <laughs> I yeah just, i mean i want to i want him to be able to come to me anytime he wants to talk about it and we do we've talked about this as he's grown as he's as he's matured yes and i have i have received permission from my son to talk about this um my my son recently came out to us as being on the uh, within the LGBTQIA plus community. I'm not going to share any more than that, but knowing that he had, um, he felt that he would be okay with sharing that with us, and that and that we would accept it. And we would accept him gave me a sense of calm and peace knowing that he felt that freedom and that he knew that we weren't going to, you know, turn him away, right. you know, disown him, whatever. Um, and that is one thing that um, is Micah's experience within the book is that his parents disown him that's true and you know that's and, something that I, I you know actually that made me more uncomfortable than the age gap or anything else is how unaccepting some of the people in this book are yeah. and but it is but it but is that's the reality realist. that's it totally is. reality and especially in the world that we have right and especially in this country right now yes. is that something that we're dealing with all the time and again something that you need to sort of understand that when you're talking about legislating people's sex lives then you're talking about not just a a nebulous idea you're talking about human beings you're talking about yes. people and their lives and their their abilities their ability to love who they love and, and to make their own choices right with the same free will that you yourself have right um you know that those ideas uh, without um Leaning too heavily into into our personal politics, right. we come from the perspective of there is a love story for everyone, unless you're a genocidal. Unless maniac. you're a genocidal maniac, that's there it. is a love story for everyone, and everyone to be deserves fair, genocidal to tell the story. To be fair, genocidal maniacs do actually have their own love stories. Yeah, they do, but they're a little bit weird, and yeah, I, yeah, I just don't want to hear it. Yeah, but. But yes, you're right. Whether or not they deserve it, there's the thing. There you go. Yeah, but they, uh, so everyone deserves a love story and not only deserves a love story, but deserves to tell their own. Mm -hmm. And until we can get to the point where people are free to be able to tell their stories, free to be able to have their stories heard then we then we deal with things like what happens in the intern then we have then we have 
cis white women writing books about gay men. Um, then we have, you know, uh, then we have to struggle for the, you know, for allyship and advocacy and, and all of those things. Now, there are some uh, romance writers who have written and uh, who have written gay romances and they will say on the outset that this is the world in which this book exists where there is no homophobia there is no legislating this and but they will say it at the outset right because that is that is the world that in which they want to see happen and which yeah. we all want to see happen but um this book exists in the reality of our lives. So my friend who I will mention several times is, um, this was also his lived experience. His parents um, did not speak to him when he came out, uh, refused to speak to him. When he was diagnosed with AIDS, they had nothing to do with him. And when he finally passed uh, from complications from AIDS and HIV, um, it was his friends who were with him at the end. And that was his yeah, family. His, as his far real as, family. His real family as far as he was concerned. Yeah. Um, but his, the biological, the family he was born into wanted nothing to do with him. Bio families don't get the right to be the only family. I mean, no. bio families can be great, but they can also be toxic. And definitely if bio family, if your bio family is not, being supportive of you, then seek out other family because there's yes. lots of folks out there that will love you. There is such a wealth of of blessing and gratitude that is available when you find your people, yeah. when you find your your found family. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was another thing that resonated with me about about this book in particular. Micah's family's reaction to who he was fundamentally who he was the that that read very real to me so there is a part of this book that is very difficult to listen to and that this we have already given uh the trigger warning about this but we're going to give another one um to say that in book there is a sexual assault that happens in the workplace and and also trigger warnings that there's a lot of homophobic slurs by the same person who commits the assault yes and it is in the workplace it happens in book and it is a sexual assault by a woman against a man right so the the it's like a this woman has done it before, but she um, has had, gotten away with it. She's gotten away with it because for one thing, so female predators do exist. Yes, they do. Um, it's not the ones you hear about all the time, but they definitely do exist. And this is probably the most underreported type of sexual assault. But in, in the book, so this is somebody who works for Devlin but is Micah's boss. Yes. Um, direct, more more direct boss. And she is, I mean, she, they've been trying to get rid of her because she's 
Yeah, they they have had, um, they know of her previous attacks against uh, against people, but they have not had the legal means in which to prove it. Right, and that would stay uh, that would stand up in court. She she's been accused of harassing, but um, and then yeah, she actually no, that's right because there was the attack that yeah, there was the attack that that happens. Yeah, so Prior another to the start of the book. Another trigger warning is that there's a out of book mention of suicide. Yes. And again, this is not an uncommon result of of sexual assault directed against men. Um well, sexual assault just period towards anybody, towards, towards anybody, anybody, of course. Um but but, but definitely against uh, a sexual assault against men is underreported and higher risk of suicide there are lots of different um organizations that are available to help victims of sexual assault however the structure for that is not as strong as it as it should be is not as universal as it should be everywhere there are places that have incredibly great um sexual assault survivor networks but there are also places that have almost nothing yes and uh, everybody who has had to go through this and should have support and should have the support of their entire community but that's not always the case and within our show notes for this episode we will um attempt to give a few resources but um please if this is if this is the lived experience of you or someone you know please seek help Mm -hmm. please seek help because it can't be known about until somebody tells it right right so in any case the method of attack is essentially that he is drugged yes. with a combination drug of like a, a rohypnol uh-huh. and viagra. viagra and um which apparently is a thing mm-hmm. and it is basically it means that that there is a physical response, even though there is no consent. And yes. um, and that is one of the things that is probably the most nefarious aspects of how this works because, you know, you've got, you can, it's hard for somebody to argue that they were, you know, yeah, that, that they, they didn't want it, that they that didn't they, want and this. That, and that they did right. not have, they did not consent to this. Right. When when there is a sexual response. Right. But even, you know, even if you don't aren't given Viagra, even if you I mean, you can have a sexual you can have a a physiological response to assault and still not want this to happen. And that's that's something that's that's very important for everyone to understand is that even if your body responds, it doesn't mean that you wanted it. You have the right to say no all the time. Um, at every up to and including the and any point yes. within the act yes consent is essential enthusiastic consent is especially essential yes yeah. but it's not just okay all right no it is yes this is what i want yes i want it now yes and another thing that we have um seen in the in the discussions that we have been a part of at at this convention is the idea of asking for what you want yeah 
at every stage and every point in um and within romance books having the characters ask for what they want is actually sexier than just oh yeah just doing the thing oh yeah it's very sexy and and we have said from the beginning consent is sexy yes enthusiastic consent is even sexier yes yes so that is not what happens here and the recovery of this the journey that my that micah has to take is difficult to read it is yeah it is because he is he is in a relationship with devlin at this point and for both the victim and the loved ones of a victim this is this is difficult for both of them for different reasons and so this part so the initial parts i i had a little trouble connecting to because of the age gap because of some of the other stuff but the survivor of sexual assault um and the loved one dealing with it you know the the significant other dealing with it definitely was kind of the turning point for me kind of connecting on on a visceral level with it and it was definitely the point of like okay this is somebody who understands what this or who has if doesn't understand personally has researched the hell out of how this works yes um and so yeah it was it was i think very well done as far as how the recovery is not is not instant you can't just oh no it's um, a long road it's a very long road it's very frustrating it's very um, tiring it's and it's filled with guilt on all sides yes um and and the number of body image issues that oh come my up. gosh yeah body dysmorphia is the a, body dysmorphia is i mean it, this is so real on the pages of this yeah. book but i do not want to say that this book is entirely heavy-handed drama no there's actually quite a lot of cuteness and and and, and you know the initial the initial awkwardness of getting to know someone right. and fitting them in your life and particularly when you have age gap you have you have um you know workplace yeah and uh, that's another one that that power I, I, dynamic yeah, is I know, another one i know you know the power dynamic but it's a when it's already taken place like yeah. they've already had a connection before they knew who the other one was yeah i mean that's that's that is a bit different but then yeah. there's just I, I guess i'm a little uncomfortable with how the power dynamic I mean, Devlin doesn't really abuse the power dynamic. No, he doesn't. He, he is but definitely potential the, is there, always. but the potential is always there, and um, and both characters are aware that the potential is there. That's true. That is true. Um, but it's you know it. I think they handle it fairly well, but I I kind of I don't want there to be more conflict with it. Because I that's not fun. Yeah, yeah. But I feel there's already enough conflict. I feel on. like realistically, there may have been more conflict there than what was potentially. Um, but again, you know, it's that's whatever story. You know. Yeah. <laughs> everybody. I everybody mean, this is, is a different this is story. The same, this is the same issues that 
that you're going to have with any workplace romance yeah that, yeah and we have which and is why just, I, well no you know what i work with my husband but not directly not directly <laughs> and you know the we but we have discussed this before yeah. on other on other episodes where there is some sort of either workplace romance or like uh denise williams the the fastest way to fall yeah where yeah. there is this that relationship coach. the coach you know, the mentor-mentee relationship yeah. that is, uh, could potentially be squicky. Yeah. You know, um, and, and very problematic. And I think the way it's handled mm-hmm. in both that book and this um, is well done. Yeah. Um, because they're both dealing with that. You know, there are conversations about he's the intern. You know, why... At, but having been in management at various points in my career, I find it a little bit, it, it's another one of my, it's a, it's a me thing, um, that the the boss rewriting the HR rules for your, <laughs> for your own convenience and your own sexy times yeah. is a little bit like, um, there's a reason why you have these policies in place and yeah. it's not just to protect and, the company, and, it's to know, protect your employees. There yeah. are there are state and federal laws in there place. Are, right, and there's uh, they're there for a reason. Yes, they are. <sighs> Having just recently gone through anti-sexual harassment training for my workplace. Yes. But, uh, but yes. No, I mean, again, as you've had to remind me on multiple occasions, these are fantasies and I yes, get that too. And one of the things that, that um, was that I was reminded of actually having gone through the anti-harassment training in my workplace is that the difference here is the consent issue. It yeah. always comes back to consent, right? It is, it is harassment mm-hmm. when you a party does not consent okay that is when it is harassment now it has the potential to look like harassment to so, an outside so the observer. boss going up to somebody going hey baby how you doing that yeah. if if you if, it, if you're like oh god please please, go please away. get away then that's harassment that is if you're harassment. like hey, hey how are you if you return the if you return the flirt yeah and and show and have an interest and you know indicate that you are interested that is not harassment however to an observer from the outside it could potentially look that way it could um probably a good idea to stay away from that so we're not condoning that but we're not but it, it you know in in the terms of this this book and books like it you know we are we are saying that that's potentially how things happen. So, you know, the office place romance is not going away. No. Um, because it's actually probably the most realistic scenario there is. It is. It uh, is. For how to meet your spouse but or the CEO, how to meet your significant other. The CEO meet... dating an intern is not the most realistic. The, uh, no, that is not the most realistic. I will agree. Yeah. Um, but within, Which is what we have with the intern. With, which is what we have with the intern. But setting that aside, right? Because again, romance, fiction, fantasy. Sure. It has to be, yeah. Within that, there has to be the realism within that. Otherwise, otherwise, you're not drawn into the story. True. Um, there has to be something to connect with. 
you mentioned earlier the narration yes. with uh, Jacob Morgan and Joe Arden. These two have not worked together before, but you wouldn't know it listening to no, this book. No, you wouldn't. They, when one character is doing a British accent and another one's doing an American, when you have a dual narration where they have to speak as the other character, right? there's often a disconnect that happens because the accents don't match. Right. There were times for me listening to this book when I was not sure that I wasn't listening to a duet. The vocal match was pretty good overall. There were a couple of moments where I felt like it didn't quite fit, but for the most part, it was very good. Yeah, um, but I mean, you're talking about over the course of a, what, 10-hour audiobook, so... True true it's not always going to be perfect yeah but it was it was very very good i mean these are obviously incredibly talented actors who are doing this um yeah but it was it was a it was a i do hope that they can work together again because i don't want to think that this is the one and only time i agree that they're do i it. i agree but i also want to hear more from jacob morgan because holy crap all right, I will get uh, and Zana like, has just entered her Jacob Morgan era, and I will make uh, and I, I will like make, I like that voice. Okay, and I will make some recommendations for you based on that. And listeners, if you know of anything that I'm uh, that I'm not thinking of right off the top, um, uh, please send them in because um, I have listened to I would say about a dozen Jacob Morgan uh, narrations at this point, but. I, I know there could be there's lots more and and um yeah I mean that's not that's not a voice I would turn off so no it's not no <laughs> thinking overall uh about the intern by Serena Ackroyd using our five cup rating system Zana what do you give this book so rating it based on sort of my initial impressions but then adding the emotional impact it had because it did it did it got me in the feels yeah um i feel like i always default to this but i'm 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 looking at a four okay maybe a four and a half i'm 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 like it was a four and then it was yeah it's maybe a four and a half i'm gonna go with four and a half yeah and and maybe this is one before I give my rating, maybe this is one that you revisit sometime down the road. Yeah, I think maybe if I revisited it when I was not so raw with emotion. Yeah. Um, uh, Did this hit you at a, uh, a particular it, it point It hit me in at time. a very, very particular time. And it was one of those things where I, when I started getting, uh, it just, it, it hit me in the sads too, which is, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm somewhere between a four and a four and a half. This also hit me emotionally, very real, very raw way mm -hmm. because it's, I have some distance from, from the, uh, grief mm -hmm. uh, of the, I have some distance of time because, uh, my friend passed away over 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, I have time and distance on my side here but it was still brought those feelings back very strongly and and i had very visceral reactions to several parts of the book mm -hmm. that said however i still give it a five because 
because of those visceral reactions. Oh, yeah. Because no. of those emotions. And because... Yeah, the emotions actually brought it up to a four and a half for me. Even yeah. though, I mean... And because, you know, even though he didn't, I feel like reading this book, my friend got the happy, happily ever after that he never actually got in life. Yeah, that's worth some cups. Yeah, yeah that's... And I mean, if we ever did five and a half, I would, <laughs> I would have done that. The, you know, the narration was wonderful. I would love to see this team up again of Jacob mm-hmm. Morgan and Joe Warden. Um, I think they worked really well together. The voice match was was one of the definitely one of the better ones that I have heard. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, and I could I could listen to Jacob Morgan do a British accent any day of the week. I could listen to him doing any accent. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so your next assigned reading, Zana, is Ghosted by jm darhauer ghosted and for october for october okay but it is actually not about a ghost oh it is however involving costumes oh so it still keeps to halloween okay if you would like to read along with xana please visit our website cup and saucy books for links and show notes you can also follow us on social media at cup and saucy books we are on facebook instagram and tiktok Let us know if you have a book you would like us to review on the show. And we hope to meet you in person as well. We will be together again. Uh, We have a busy month of events ahead for October. This is fun. We should do this. We should report. We should record another one. Yeah. Uh, So in October, uh, we have Hopelessly Devoted in Ontario, California that I will be attending. I won't be there. Oh, but I will be when you're in Ontario, California. Oh, that's right. I will be at Luston Low Country in Charleston, South Carolina. That's right. And we will be together again for Indies Invade Philly in Philadelphia. Then finally ending the year at Love in Vegas. And that finishes our book events for the year. And we're having discussions about what we're going to attend next year. Any suggestions? Let us know. Absolutely. And a sneak peek of the episodes for this month. September 4th is Married Narrators, Christian Black and Lori West. They were fun to talk to. They were to. fun. September 18th is author Kaylee Loring. Nice. Which that one was a lot of fun. That was fun. <laughs> and September 25th, speaking of fun episodes, <laughs> this is one I think you won't want to miss. Narrator Troy Duran on our show And listeners, trust me, you do not want to miss the comedy gold. Thank you so much for joining us for the Cup and Saucy Book Club. Join us next time for more great conversations with people from the world of books. And probably a few tangents. Happy reading. Cheers. Cheers.